55 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes for your friend to sink that last shot in a game of beer pong. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about lawn games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Tales from the Loop and Loco Momo. Then, we talk about the intersection between board games and common outdoor lawn games. And now, here are your hosts, Andy and Crystal. One tiny announcement before we hop into the main episode, and that is that TLN, Tabletop Live Network, for this month. It's coming up right at the end of the month like it always does. And if you want to see Ambie and I play a game together on stream as part of that 24-hour marathon, you're going to want to head to twitch.tv slash boardgameblitz on April 30th at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. That is our time slot for this month's marathon. We, as of recording this podcast, do not have confirmation on what we're playing yet, so we can't spoil it for you. We're recording this episode a little bit in advance, but we hope that you all will join us for that stream. Recently, I got a review copy of Tales from the Loop, the board game, which is designed by Rickard Antroya and Martin Takaichi and published by Free League Publishing. Tales from the Loop, the board game, was based off of the Tales from the Loop TV series, which is a science fiction TV series that was based off of art book by Swedish artist Simon Stalinhag. And that's one of the artists of the board game as well, because it would make sense that if it's based off an art book, you use the art from the art. Right. You that makes sense. Yeah. If they were like went to a different artist, that would feel a little strange. (laughs) Yes. But Tales from the Loop is a cooperative board game for one to five players, plays 90 to 180 minutes, and it has six different scenarios. Uh, and you pick one when you play the game. So in the game, you're high school kids trying to like figure out, well, the objective of the game isn't known until you like get through the scenario, but like there's weird things happening. There's like mechs running around and you want to like avoid the mechs and go around and you could hack into the mechs and do do different things. And then depending on whatever the scenario is, you have different objectives. So we played like the the first scenario. We actually didn't finish the game because... It was taking a long time. <laughs> yeah, so the, the main mechanic of the game, well, there's different phases. There's like, you all start out at school because every day, every weekday you're in school <laughs> and then you, you can move around the board. You can do different actions. You have these action cubes that you put on your board when you use them. So like you'd use an action to move or use an action to scout a machine or do different things. And you, you just like put the cube on your board to show that it's done. But like sometimes you can get hurt or get exhausted, different conditions and to do that you move a cube to this condition part of your board and it stays there so then like the next turn you have fewer actions and so you can rest to take up an action and get your cube back but like when when you get those conditions you have fewer actions you have to like manage that so you want to not get as that many conditions and you get these like when you fight or like do tests and um each time you're doing a test which is like different cards can come up you're trying to like solve these rumor cards in order to progress the story. You have different skills for each character and you have to roll dice to do the test. So sixes succeed. It's regular six-sided dice. If you don't succeed, you can you can go again and become exhausted to do it. So you have to like use up one of your actions. But then if you fail, usually it's worse for you. <laughs> so yeah, so like that's the ma- basic gameplay, which reminded me of uh, Arkham Horror, kind of. If you've played that, it's similar with like there's tests and you're rolling dice to succeed and there's different like well I guess in 
it's in some versions of like Arkham or Eldritch Horror, there's like a scenario where you're trying to do certain certain scenarios. But I and I like the theme of Tales from the Loop, like sci-fi high school kids. Oh, and also, if you get your parent, if your parents are angry at you, you get grounded. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. adorable. That takes up two of your cubes, and then you can't really do much. <laughs> but yeah, so I liked the idea of the game, but but the rule book was horrible. So first of all, the rule book wasn't comprehensive. There were some rules in there that like just didn't exist. For example, I think in the action phase, everyone can just do whatever actions in any order. Like I can do an action and then you can do two actions and then someone else can do actions. But it doesn't say that in the rule book. It just says like action phase. When you do actions, you do this. Like it doesn't say what order. And then also there's um, chore cards, which are the chores you have to complete by a certain day. But it doesn't explain how chore cards are completed. I realized because of the iconography on the chore card, I could figure it out because there's like a circle in the middle with a number on it. And so I realized, okay, when we get that number of cubes on the chore card, that means it's completed. But it didn't say that anywhere in the rule book. So yeah, like there were a lot of things that the rule book did not explain. And and then it was also difficult to reference. So that's part of why the game took so long for us. we, We played like a partial game and then it was like two hours into the game after the rules explanation, I think, and then stopped because it was time for, for bed. Yeah, so it was just like getting past the rule book was very difficult. And I feel like it might be okay after if, if you figured out the rules, but not having a rule book that's easy to reference and not having a comprehensive rule book is, is very difficult for playing a board game, I think. And another thing was that, like, I like the idea of the theme, but it didn't feel as immersive to me as I remember Arkham Horror being. It might have been because of the time spent looking up rules that, like, took away from the immersion. So maybe if, if the game just did more gameplay rather than looking up rules, it would have felt more immersive. But, like, the theme didn't, wasn't super exciting while I was playing the game. But I did really like the, like, how the action cubes work with moving the cubes over to the conditions and, like, doing a re-roll if you if you sacrifice one of your cubes basically because then that that added a lot of stress and pressure on whether you want to do things because like another thing is that like you can help other people on their tests so that adds adds a die if you're like with them but if they fail then you also get a bad condition so you might not want to help someone if you don't want to like lose your cubes because then you can't do stuff the next turn. And that actually happened to us. Like the first turn, everyone was helping everyone. And then like everyone got, uh, everyone like got their cubes used up and then everyone got grounded because like they, they weren't able to get home for dinner. And so, so then the next turn, like everyone's like, okay, I just, I'm just staying home. Like I, I can't do anything. I need to make my parents happy. So I guess that, that part is kind of thematic. And, and I, I, I liked that action cube mechanism, um, but like the rule book, I'm just so sad that the rule book was so bad. So I think if you're interested in Tales from the Loop, the theme, and you like cooperative games, you might want to wait for like, maybe there's a how to play video or something. I don't like reading, like I, like I personally do not like learning from videos and stuff. So like I want the rule book to be good, but if you're fine with like a bad rule book and just like learning from a video or something, then it would probably be a lot better. So yeah, that's Tales from the Loop, the board game. Well, the game I'm talking about today has one of the most adorable themes of just about any board game I've ever played. The game is called Loco Momo. 
And the theme of the game is that there's a group of animals that live in a magical forest called Locomomo. And one day they stumble across a camera and they're like, wow, look at this cool new toy. And they're like, well, who's going to get the camera? And so they decide whoever takes the best photo with the camera gets to keep it. All of that being said, the theme really, truly does not come through in the gameplay at all. <laughs> I love the theme and I think it's really cute and I like that it's there for the record. I'm not hating on the theme, but note when you play the game, it doesn't feel like that, but I still, it's still adorable. So in Locomomo, it is a tile drafting, tile placement game where you are collecting sets of animals from a board to put onto your individual player board. And the way animals are drafted varies depending on what animal you choose to activate on the main board. So each animal moves in a different fashion. So for instance, ducks, if you activate a duck, it will move around the board to different areas until it finds another duck. And then it will collect all of the animals of the same background color as it. So if it ran, runs into another duck and it has a red background, the place where the other duck is, it'll pick up all the red animals from that specific location. And then you get to place all of the animals you picked up onto your player board. And your player board is made up of a grid. I believe it's five by five. Yeah, it's like 25 squares. And each row has a different scoring condition. In one of the rows, you want all different types of animals. In one of the rows, you want all one type of animal. In uh, two of the rows, you want pairs, like in one row and in the next row, you want them to match. And then you also get bonuses for having the same colored background on tiles in rows and columns. So you can score extra if you draft animals all of the same color, but often there's only three total background colors, red, blue, and green. And sometimes you're not going to be able to pick up the animals you want in the color you want. So it's kind of a, an interesting balancing between, okay, these are the animals I want, but not the color I want, or these other ones are the right color, but not exactly the right animals. With three background colors and only five different types of animals, there's not too many really difficult decisions to be made there. It is a lighter game for sure. You play through six rounds with each player activating an animal and taking tiles and then putting them onto their player board. So it's a relatively quick game as well. I actually learned this one on Board Game Arena and I've looked to see if it's been published in the States and I don't believe it has. I looked online to see if it could be purchased and there are places that you can order and get it shipped from, but I don't think it has an English publisher. The designers are Lenny Liu and Leon Liu and the main publisher is Wonderful World Board Game. So I think it is originally from an Asian country and has not been localized in a whole bunch of other countries yet. Yeah, it says Taiwan. Okay, Taiwan. I, I don't know what it is lately. I've really been gravitating toward like quirky Asian games and probably just because I keep stumbling across them in places like Board Game Arena. But this one honestly feels like it would do well here in the States. Like it's a family weight cute theme tile laying game. And so I think it would do really well. I, For all I know, they already are going to be localizing it here in the States. It was originally published in 2020. So this might be one of those games that kind of slipped under the radar because of the pandemic. I don't know that for sure, obviously. Maybe they were never planning to bring it over here. But for me personally, I actually would like to own this one. I'd like to 
get it into my collection, so I may order a copy from overseas. The components are language independent, so all of the components of the game, there aren't there is no text. So even if you ordered a copy with a non-English rulebook, as long as you could get the English rules, you'd be good to go. So I really liked this one. I've been playing it, I would say not a bunch, but like I've played it a handful of times on Board Game Arena, and I will continue to play it there. I really like it. So that's Loco Momo. Cool. more than 150 episodes of a podcast about a single topic such as board games, it can be quite difficult to come up with new topics to talk about. This is why sometimes we revisit topics we've discussed in the past and why sometimes we tweet, hey, tell us what you want to hear us talk about, <laughs> which is what we did recently. And friend of the show and longtime, I think, original Blitzketeer listener, Nick Nayobari, tweeted at us and said that he wanted to hear us talk about lawn games. And I, Ambie and I were both like, huh, that's actually... Like we've we've done an episode about board games you can play outside, but we've never talked about lawn games and the intersection of lawn games and board games. So Nick, shout out to you for suggesting this topic and uh, let's get into it. Well, first he's, he was saying outdoor board games, right? And then like dexterity games and then lawn games. I was like, oh, I, like I had never made that connection before because <laughs> the, the lawn games are kind of like giant dexterity games and then I was thinking oh yeah like when we went to this there was like a neighborhood event out at a park and they had a giant connect four set which is basically like a lawn game and and like giant Jenga but those are board games when they're small (laughs) and they're tabletop games but like now that they're giant they can't they don't go on the tabletop anymore so are they now lawn games <laughs> and i you've made an interesting distinction already that i want to clarify at least from our point of view to our listeners and for me personally i at this point do use the term board game as a generic catch-all for a lot of different types of games that can be played on a tabletop yeah like i think a lot of people use board games to mean tabletop games right right because like if you t- ask somebody like, do you own any board games? And they, they might say, oh, yeah, I have Uno, you know, mm-hmm. or or uh, I have Phase 10. Like if you're not yeah. a hobby gamer, you would still refer to card games that you own as board games mm-hmm. in most instances. So I think it's kind of widely recognized that board games are things that can be played on a tabletop. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to be, obviously. But there's an interesting distinction, I think, between some board games and lawn games, which I'll get into later. But yeah, you mentioned Connect for it and Jenga, and I've seen large versions of other common board games like Dominoes, Yahtzee, mm-hmm. Chess, and Checkers in mm-hmm. various places. Like I've yeah, like a park or whatever. I've seen yeah. giant checkers and chess and things like that before. Those are fun. <laughs> Just to play with the pieces. <laughs> I know, isn't it odd? Like, if you asked me to play chess, just like normal chess on a table, I would not be super interested. I know how to play chess, but like, that's not something I would really be excited to do. But Mm -hmm. if you, if we were in a park and you asked me to play giant chess with you, I would totally be down. (laughs) Why is that? Amy, I need you to explain my brain to me because that doesn't really, like, is it really just like that much fun to move giant chess pieces around? Is that all I want to do, I guess? Yeah. The giant miniatures, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Which is funny, though, because in when I get board games, I am not the type who's drawn to the giant minis. So, like, I am a contradiction, giant I suppose. abstract miniatures. I think it's the novelty for me. And that might yeah, be... Yeah, that's part of it, yeah. 
part of the lawn games in general is playing a game often feels like an indoor activity. Obviously there Mm -hmm. are sports and that's a kind of a different realm. We'll touch on that later too, I'm sure. But playing a game doesn't seem like a thing you do outside most of the time. Yeah, especially board games. Yes, definitely board games. And so you're like, oh, we're in the middle of a big open space. People could theoretically walk by and watch and like observe. Mm -hmm. And you might not be able to think as strategically when you're looking at a giant chessboard as opposed to a smaller chessboard. So I think there's a lot of differences there in large scale board games Mm -hmm. that make them potentially appealing in a different way than their smaller counterparts and if they're like really big then it's like something you haven't seen before like if it's life-size chess where you're the size of the piece then you can be like moving around like you're the piece (laughs) yeah that's really cool now we're talking cosplay all of a sudden like i'm (laughs) gonna be the rook (laughs) i will stand stoically like a castle (laughs) but giant versions of standard board games are not all you have when you talk about lawn games. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of common lawn games that I would say the general public is aware of, if not have played before. Things Mm -hmm. like beer pong, cornhole, horseshoes, bocce ball, things like that. And Mm -hmm. when you look at the descriptions of some of these games, we're not going to get into the, obviously the details of all of them if you're not familiar, but they do bear a lot of resemblances to dexterity-based board games just on a bigger scale. Yeah, because like cornhole, you're you're throwing the beanbags into a hole. It's kind of like like a crokinole type game where you're flicking something into the hole to get points or shuffle well shuffleboard is also like a (laughs) yeah that's an indoor big not really board game maybe (laughs) well and like beer pong when you're trying to put little balls into cups Mm -hmm. that's kind of like even that pop-up game that you were talking about in a recent episode in the hole yeah yeah like that has there's a lot some similarities there yeah so yeah fire in the hole inspired by beer pong <laughs> the one that I've always been drawn to, and I, I don't know if there's like an official name for it. it. Ladder ball is what I found online. They're basically like these standing things that have rungs on them, like three rungs. And mm-hmm. then you have golf balls that are attached by a rope, like two golf balls. And you fling yeah. the golf ball rope thing and try and get it to attach to one of the poles, basically. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that one has always been super appealing to me. Whenever I see that one, I want to play it. <laughs> Oh, it's fun. It's tough, I think. I've only played it a few times. Okay, so these are all games that scale-wise are bigger than board games. Mm-hmm. Are they board games? Based on our loose definition of what a board game is, are they board games, Ambi? Well, so when I think of board games, I think of games that are played on a tabletop. So I don't even know if like giant board games count as board games in my definition. So, so you're thinking like, like if chess is in a park, it is yeah, no longer a no board longer, game? Like, I don't know. Like what What happened to it? Okay, so you and I might be on the same page because I think I've come up with my own self-imposed rule for what Mm -hmm. the difference is. And I think some giant board games count as board games and others don't. The reason I think this is because I think board games generally need to be mobile. Mm -hmm. So like Crokinole is mobile. Beer Pong can also be mobile. So like you can pick up that set and take it somewhere else. Whereas something like horseshoes generally has like implement or croquet they have things that are Mm -hmm. theoretically attached to the ground you obviously could remove them but like more permanently affixed that you don't move around easily and so those to me do not feel like board games well 
But like horseshoes and croquet, both of them, like the set itself is mobile. You just attach it to the ground instead of a table, right? Okay. We used to play croquet a lot as a kid and it was just like one little suitcase thing. <laughs> a little package and you roll it around. And it's like, because it just has like the hoops and the croquet mallets and the balls. And then you need a big space and then put it around. But like, that's, I think also more kind of like a sport because it's using like a big field. So, 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 Lynn, I guess, so not the size of the components isn't the only factor here. The size of the play space also factors. Yeah, the play space, I think. Yeah, I think for me, I think play space is more more what makes it a board game. Because I I think of like playing on the table more. It it can be played on a table. Because you can't can't play, you can't like dig those things into a table <laughs> yeah, well you probably shouldn't at least yeah. Yeah. you you see like you come in and grandpa's trying to drive a stake into the carpet and you're like grandpa that's not where that goes take it outside but like theoretically cornhole you could set that on two ends of a table stand on the ends of the table and toss stuff that's like true you, so so is cornhole and beer pong a board game or it's, yeah, i think they ball. are i think that those two theoretically count as board games Whereas, beer pong's a messy uh, one, though. Well, I mean, you can use water. You don't even have to put it's much still, liquid yes. in the cups, yeah, technically. Know, yeah. Um, yeah, I used to use so, water. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, you uh, you and I both aren't drinkers, really. So <laughs> <laughs> if we ever played it, it would definitely not be with beer. But the, the more I've thought about this, the bigger the, like, the, the rabbit hole my brain has gone down. Because lawn games, I think, are both board games and not and i think large-scale board games again like i said earlier are also yes and no depending yeah. on the size and the context and whether it's movable to some degree at least mm-hmm. in my that's the way like i'm self-defining them well yeah because sometimes they also they they sell miniature versions of those big games right oh yeah like like a desk version of yeah a desk version like, and that's like a board game <laughs> yeah, oh my so. gosh yeah so like yeah if you had like um horseshoes like a little tiny version of horseshoes where it was just a standalone thing that you put on your desk at work as like a novelty like mm-hmm. they definitely sell things like that yeah so so then does it become oh man <laughs> so confusing it is it's very confusing so let's move past that <laughs> and i want to i want to know from you ambi what dexterity based board games like things that we would commonly refer to as board games normally the stuff we would usually talk about on our podcast (laughs) (laughs) which ones do you think you would enjoy or maybe even like just the mass market would enjoy as a like weather resistant large scale backyard version of a thing Ooh, i think ice cool would be cool as a big version Well, okay, but then would you be able to pull off trick shots, though, is the thing. I don't know. You got to kick it. Yeah. Oh, you have to kick it? Oh, my gosh. We're going to have broken toes as soon as we start playing that. I I just think that would look really cool. But (laughs) I I have to say I'm a little sad that your first response was not the thing that came to my mind immediately. Oh, like strike? Yes, like strike. We definitely need giant strike. I, I think my well, like my friends have tried doing giant strike but like it didn't work out well because they didn't have like the right arena shape and the right dice yeah. well and the physics of dice change yeah. when you scale them up so i really it probably would not work as well but like as a again as a novelty as a fun <laughs> yeah. thing to just own i would definitely buy a, a, a large copy of strike even if it <laughs> physics wise didn't work the same as its smaller counterpart <laughs> The other one that came to mind for me, which I don't think it could be too big. It would have to be like 
scaled up relatively, but Catch the Moon, I think, would be a really good one. Like, the ladders that you have to stack mm-hmm. on top of one another. Again, you, I'm not talking life-size ladders here, because it would become impossible immediately. <laughs> that, that's just what goes into my mind, like, life-size. Every time I think giant, it's like, life-size. <laughs> yeah, like, we got giant ladders, and you're stacking them up, and, and little Timmy has to climb up on the roof to put his piece on. <laughs> if you do a life-size men at work, you just, like, build a... <laughs> oh you just literally site. well hire some construction workers and be like stand with your legs and arms apart awkwardly and i'm just gonna put this beam on you and this brick on your other arm just stand there it's fine Ooh, a large version of tokyo highway would be fun too oh I mean, not, not life-size but like <laughs> this <laughs> yes. is more a serious we're not building actual highway <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh because yeah, that um, one it's just like little popsicle sticks but then having like what like two by fours i don't know <laughs> um, yeah yeah yeah. balancing those that, that would be interesting it might That's be kind true. of dangerous <laughs> and for the record i do want to note that technically there are slightly scaled up versions of some of the games that we've mentioned here like there mm-hmm. ha- there has been a slightly larger strike and catch the moon mm-hmm. and like another i think a good one theoretically might be rhino hero that one would be tough oh. if it's a windy day, yeah. <laughs> but I think giant cards stacked on top of one another. And that, again, that exists in some form as well. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference between just a light, slightly larger version of a game and one that's made to be played outdoors. Yeah, I think like the wooden ones are better for outdoors because of the, the wind, as you said. Like, so cards being outdoors, like a card tower outdoors is going to fall over easily. Right. Whereas, like, the wood stacking things are more durable. So, like, that's why Giant Jenga works well outdoors. Yeah. And that's another one that, like, regular Jenga, if somebody's like, let's play Jenga, I'm like, meh. <laughs> but if you said Giant Jenga, I'm down. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, we had Giant Jenga at our wedding, and, like, it was very popular. I also think, truly, Giant Crokinole, like an outdoor Crokinole mm-hmm. board, would be really neat. They had... I think I just remember seeing that um, in Canada. It was like a snow one or an ice. ice. <laughs> That's called ice. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I think it was like a giant ice crokinole thing. Well, that sounds really <laughs> neat. And I definitely am interested in playing that now. I'm trying to think if there's any others. Like, <laughs> it would be really funny to watch people try and play Ghost Blitz in a giant form where you actually had to, like, to run, run and over and grab a piece. And <laughs> that, that actually reminds me, I saw a video of someone playing Hungry, like, they made a giant Hungry Hungry Hippos, I think. Or maybe oh, it was with people, people, on, like, people. Yeah, you yeah. Like, hold the person and then the person had to go and grab the balls or something. Like I have seen um, that holding too. the people like lawnmower type. Yeah, like they're like on like a, one of those the things I had in preschool, the little like flat boards with wheels on. Them oh yeah, uh-huh. I don't okay, know what that, those are that's called. How it was and then like someone else <laughs> scoot, was holding like, them and pushing boards them. boards or something. I don't know what they're called, but yeah. yeah, and they would just be like on their stomach on those with their arms out trying to grab balls. Yeah, I would yeah, also. So totally I guess that's play another that. thing. Like an alternative to giant board games is like you use yourself as. <laughs> the, the component as a player like, piece as the hippo in hungry hungry hippos. yes <laughs> one other that i wanted to mention that i think would be neat would be kabuto sumo which i've talked about on the show i think somewhat recently i think a giant version of that where you're trying to gently push you know bigger wooden pieces onto a board and slide other things off or not would be neat i'm trying to think if there was anything else oh <laughs> it would probably be impossible but Mord M. Arosa, the weird oh, uh, sound-based game that I love, love yeah. 
Yeah, where you're dropping cubes into a tower and trying to listen to which level they fell to in a bigger version, I think would be very interesting. I don't know if it would work, but I would love to try it. I feel like that would be easier as a bigger version because the the floors would be separated more and you'd be able to tell more where the sound comes from, right? Maybe. Yeah, because it wouldn't be as quick, right? Like you'd be able to kind of hear Mm -hmm. the differentiation. Although whenever I play, there are a lot of times where people are like, oh, I'm sure where that cube was. And then they pick it up and it's not where they thought (laughs) it was. So who knows? It might not be quite as easy as we assume. Well, one more shout out to Nick for suggesting this topic. This was a fun discussion and we would love to hear from you all what your favorite lawn games are or what board games you would like to see in giant-sized lawn versions. So (laughs) hit us up on social media, our Board Game Geek Guild, all the usual places, and let us know. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as the links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. The crowdfunding campaign for Last Light is live on GameFound now. Head to lastlightgame.com to secure your copy of the epic 4X game that plays in under an hour. And if you're looking for other Grey Fox games, don't forget you get 20% off non-exclusive items at greyfoxgames.com. Just use the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Mott. Technical support provided by Toby Mott. Until next time, I'm playing an outdoor board game. I'm hoping it won't be too lame. Bye, everyone. Bye.